hello and welcome to another version of the Informed Traveler podcast, a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. So last week, I got the chance to see the newly opened Alt Hotel in Calgary. It's part of the Germain group of hotels. And while I was there... I got to sit down with Marie-Pierre Germain from the Germain Group of Hotels to learn a little bit more about the Germain brand and the new Calgary Alt Hotel. And the extreme cold in the eastern part of Canada and the U.S. recently has caused some problems in the travel industry, but it's been a blessing in disguise for some places like Niagara Falls, for example. There's some pretty spectacular images of the ice that has formed around the falls. So a little bit later, we'll chat with Noel Buckley from Niagara Falls Tourism and learn a little bit more about the area and the ice that's covering Niagara Falls. But to begin our podcast, we're going to talk about destination weddings and what you need to know about planning a destination wedding. To help us out is Ken Stewart from Crowfoot Travel Solutions. He joins us now. Hi, Ken. Hey, good morning, Randy. Let's talk about uh, destination weddings. You are a certified uh, destination wedding planner. Specialist. Specialist. Planner. Sorry. <laughs> we, Let me rephrase We, we that. help with most of it, but we leave the plannings to the couple. <laughs> so there is a little bit of a difference because there are people out there that are actually planners that will do all of that as well. Yeah. Uh, our office, we're more of a specialist. I, I believe that it's... Uh, nicer if the and again we'll assist the couple as far as we need to go and sometimes that gets right into the planning stages as well too, uh, but I find a lot of that is it's really easy to do, uh, but we'll work with them and we work closely with them and the uh, resort or the destination that they choose to to make life as stress free as we can for them as well. Well, yeah, and that's a good point because yeah, the specialists versus planners because you actually work with the planners at some of the resorts at the destinations, exactly. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you kind of bring in everybody together. Exactly. All the all-inclusives do have uh, wedding departments on site, and they have uh, their own uh, specialists and planners, and and that's their job. That's what they do, Uh, and they're really easy to work with. And, and, you know, the destination weddings are even expanding, uh, you know, into uh, Europe and uh, uh, a lot of even Australia, Tahiti. There's some really funky weddings that you can do down there where the bride will be brought in on a boat and everybody's all decorated to the beach and <laughs> things like that. So they're they're really popular. And, and again, you know, we're kind of you know left to to the bride and groom's imagination and then try and make something uh, fit the fit everybody's wallets. Cause mm-hmm. Again, you're inviting a lot of people, and it's important that you want to you know have your day and you want to have everything as much your way. But again, a lot of people are considerate and trying to. to think about the people that they're inviting and, and have a good time. Well, that's for sure. Uh, budget, yes, uh, comes in mind when it comes to the couple. But yeah, you also have to keep in mind uh, the costs of your guests as well. And then, of course, once you've figured out your budget, then you want to figure out your destination, right? Exactly, exactly. And, and that's where we'll work through a lot of it with the people. Uh, a lot of the resorts uh, have several different types of uh, winning uh, packages and stuff. Some, you know, entry-level ones or whatever are, are basically free. Uh, if you have a certain number of guests or a certain number of what they call room nights, uh, and you can expand on those ones and, and get up into you know the very luxurious and very decorative weddings. Uh, East Indian weddings are becoming more and more popular, and they can do actually the traditional uh, wedding with them, where they have the meet and greet. It's, it's a three or four day event for them. Uh, and again, we just try to take all the stress out of it by working with a couple and talk about different situations, destinations, uh, resorts, and, and everything like that. So, you know, the hardest part to, that we find with the, with the clients that they're going to have to do is kind of picking the wedding day, and we make sure that the uh, options available. We look after all the quoting, uh, the costing, all that kind of stuff uh, for all your guests. 
you give them our contact number so they're not phoning you, asking you a million and one questions or whatever. Mm-hmm. So basically, like I say, the hardest part for the bride and groom is, okay, let's pick a resort and pick a package and... That's they're they're pretty much done until it's time to <laughs> until it's time to happen, right? Flowers and colors closer to the wedding. So, so how far out <laughs> should people start to plan? Six months out, nine months out, a year? I would say nine months to a year is 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 practical. I mean, you can do them within six months, and we have done that, especially if they're smaller weddings. But again, you know, it it depends on the dates that you're looking at, because obviously uh, May June. Uh, are real popular dates for for brides anywhere in the world, whether you're doing a wedding here or a wedding in destination. Uh, anything around any of the holidays, they tend to pick up uh, and and fill up early. Um, and a lot of resorts will only do two or three weddings max a day. There are mm. some that only do one a day. So you know, again, that's where we get into that with the, the bride and groom because a lot of times people want the <laughs> late late afternoon ones, so you get the sunset photos and all those. And, and again, so they tend to fill up quick. Mm-hmm. And now what about legalities as far as, uh, you know, are, are you legally married if you get uh, <laughs> you married, in a, married in a foreign country? Two years, exactly. You are legally married. I did my two years ago in uh, in Mexico, and we did the legal. And uh, good question. There's there's two options. You have can do a legal wedding uh, or a symbolic wedding. And a lot more people are choosing the symbolic to simply, uh, depending where you're going, it makes life a lot easier uh, for you, heaven forbid, down the road if something happens. Uh, but a lot of them will go to a JP or the courthouse here or whatever and then do a symbolic wedding there where everything exactly the same. Nobody knows the difference other than you're just not signing a piece of paper when you're down there. Mm-hmm. And there are different rules for different countries. I always suggest, uh, you know, jump onto the consulate websites and they'll give you the up-to-date information because it can and does change. I know Mexico, for example, if you're doing a legal wedding, you have to be there uh, 48 hours prior, and you actually have to do your blood test down there. You still have to do that, hey? Still have to do blood tests. I didn't there. know that. Yeah, yeah. Dominican and some of the Cubans, Dominican and Cuba, you have to translate everything into Spanish. Uh, there's all kinds of different little things. Jamaica, you can get married within 24 hours. A lot of people will do that if they're on a cruise ship, mm-hmm. and they do a stop there. So, so again, best of to check with the consulate, and you know, we advise that not just for weddings, but for any time you're traveling to a country, uh, talk to somebody at the consulate or, or and and actually get the information right from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Do ship captains still do weddings on cruises? Occasionally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can you yeah, can request so it. Cruise cruise weddings are still popular, and and a lot of times people will do one in a destination stop, as well too. Mm-hmm. So if there's you know a particular port on there, the, we can help uh, arrange that through the ship and through the destination that uh, everybody gets off and and gets married. It'd be lots of fun, lots of good advice. Uh, Ken Stewart from Crowfoot Travel Solutions. Thanks, sir. Thanks, Randy. So last week, I got the chance to see the newly opened Alt Hotel in Calgary. It's part of the Germain Group of Hotels. And while I was there, I sat down with Marie-Pierre Germain from the Germain Group of Hotels to learn a little bit more about the Germain brand. And here is that conversation for you now. Give me the the rundown on the uh, Germain Hotels, the brand, and, and some of the brands that are underneath that umbrella, and maybe the whole story of how it became where you are now. Tell us, tell you about us a little bit, right? Yeah, exactly. So the the company is a family business, uh, which was uh, created 30 years ago with my mother and my uncle, Mm -hmm. Christian and Jean-Yves Germain, who opened the first uh, boutique hotel in Canada, in Quebec City. So that was in 1988. It was very visionary because they actually converted a a fully occupied office building and decided to 
put everyone out on the street <laughs> and add three stories to that building and mm -hmm. make it a 127 uh, boutique hotel. Mm. So that was 30 years ago. And then we grew organically from there. We opened another hotel in Quebec and then moved to Montreal, Toronto. Uh, next was Calgary. We have a hotel in Calgary called Le Germain, mm -hmm. which we opened in 2010. And then we went from one to the next. And now we're at 17 properties across Canada, not yet in Vancouver. Uh, we are hoping one day that we will be coast to coast. Mm -hmm. uh, we are in St. John's, um, so really out east. <laughs> uh, and today we're here to talk about the Alt Hotel Calgary in East Village. Very good. Well, yes, we are the new Alt Hotel opening here in Calgary, which is very exciting. Um, but tell me about the whole philosophy behind Germain Hotels. Um, mm -hmm. If people have stayed at a Germain Hotel, let's say, for example, in Montreal, mm -hmm. would they find the same sort of characteristics in Calgary or St. John's or wherever? You would. If you stayed at an Alt Hotel, you would find the same similar characteristics. I'd say what ties these three brands together, so Le Germain, Alt Plus and Alt Hotels are really a sense of personalized service, mm -hmm. uh, comfort. Now some come with extra fluff, some are without the extra fluff, mm. but you always have that personalized human connection, which I think today with all the technologies and the cell phones and whatever we have going on in our lives, mm. we sometimes tend to forget. So this is really what we feel are um, are some of our strengths, you know, that we have wonderful employees, our team, our, our teams are amazing across Canada. And whenever you walk into a Group Germain Hotels, you, one of our hotels, you'll feel, you know, that someone is there to welcome you. Mm -hmm. Very good. Um, so we talked, uh, I mentioned the Alt Hotels, and I want to just back up a bit and let's explain about the other brands as mm -hmm. well. So the three brands. Um, we have Le Germain brand, which was the first hotel uh, that we opened. Mm -hmm. uh, that became a brand, right? Because when we start with one, you don't call it, you, call, you don't call yourself a brand. Yeah. But when we uh, opened Alt in uh, Montreal 11 years ago, then we realized, hey, we've got something here, and Alt uh, is um, is the unconventional choice. Uh, it's. I don't want to say limited services because mm -hmm. that sounds like we're limiting ourselves. But, you know, you come in, you drop your suitcase, you go do your activities. You don't necessarily need the big mm -hmm. room to spend the whole day uh, yeah. doing uh, what you have to do. You're busy outside. And yeah. then you have an amazing lobby where you can actually do some co-working and invite your friends, have a drink. This is what Alt is wonderful for. Mm -hmm. uh, Alt Plus is uh, the new hotel I was telling you about we opened last year in Montreal. Okay. And um, we've, it's the only one that we have in Montreal, but we're looking to do more. Hopefully, uh, we'll announce one in Edmonton uh, opening in the next couple of years because they don't get built overnight. <laughs> There's quite a bit of work that goes into that. Yeah. Um, so Alt Plus is a place where you actually enjoy the room. The, the, um, the table is the desk where you can sit at and you can work all day if you want. There's amazing you know, light in the room. Mm -hmm. um, you can actually have a meal in the room. There's a microwave, a fridge, uh, plates and cutlery. So mm -hmm. if there's two of you, you can enjoy breakfast or dinner or whatever. Uh, that works really well. And then Le Germain is, is sort of a higher end brand where um, you have 
the room service and the amenities and mm -hmm. the valet and the concierge and everything else that nice. you would expect from a four-star hotel. Nice. So you can accommodate anybody with those three brands, basically, and uh, obviously it depends on budget and what they're looking for, right? Absolutely. And the funny thing is that people actually travel from one brand to the other, mm -hmm. and sometimes they want the extra... Uh, they need the room service. They're doing. They're traveling for business, and they want the extra amenities. And then other times, it's just it's it's perfectly convenient convenient to just walk into the room, drop the suitcase, <laughs> and the alt is perfect for that. Mm -hmm. So we really we've we've realized that over the years that our our our, our guests are experiencing the three brands. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, one here in Calgary. It's brand new, and like you said, hotels don't get built overnight. Mm -hmm. This is like a five-year plan, mm -hmm. right? from where it is now. Mm -hmm. It is. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a big project. And the funny thing is, we always believed in East Village. We, we, we were always very excited. And to be anchored here at, at Confluence and, you know, Confluence Way and the river is just so exciting. And partnering, partnering with the two restaurateurs we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. John and, uh, and, and Connie from Charcut, um, is really exciting. And then Darren uh, McLean from um, Shokunin. Uh, is also uh, something that makes us really, really proud. Mm -hmm. Well, and for locals, I guess the, the restaurants would be uh, one of the attractions to come to have dinner, whatever. Uh, people in southern Alberta coming for a night, mm -hmm. maybe uh, wanna, uh, going to, uh, I don't know, hockey game, something mm -hmm. like that. And people traveling from all over looking for a place to stay, right? That's called staycation. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> when you actually spend the night in your own city and mm -hmm. enjoy whatever is around. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So now tell me about the, uh, let's look into the crystal ball a little bit. I know mm -hmm. it's very hard, but you have a new opening coming in Saskatoon yes. soon, right? Yes, tomorrow, the, the day after tomorrow, actually. We always do one night, the night before we officially open mm -hmm. for our employees to uh, be able to experience the hotel. So tomorrow is the magic night. And Friday, we, we welcome guests for the first time. Because once it's open, it doesn't close, right? You just keep going. <laughs> well, that's, that's right. Once yeah. the hotel is open, it's like, oh, sorry, we're closed tonight. You <laughs> no. can't do that, right? No, so now you've you got Saskatoon. What's down the road in the next year or two? So we talked about Edmonton earlier. Mm -hmm. um, Alt Plus uh, will hopefully open its doors uh, in Edmonton in a few years. We had said 20 by 2020. Mm -hmm. So uh, East, uh, East Village is, is now open, but we're, we actually have a third property under construction in Calgary. So you can say that Calgary is very close to our hearts. <laughs> we, um, we love the city and it's always been so welcoming to us. So the third property in Calgary will be at uh, West, uh, West Campus, the University mm -hmm. District. Okay. Um, and then what else do we have under construction? The out in Ottawa airport nice. that we announced um, just recently. So the construction hasn't started, but it's underway. Tell me a little bit more about some of the hotels you have down east for people that want to travel to Montreal and St. John's and some of those properties. St. John's, Newfoundland. Mm -hmm. So is a beautiful property. Um, we are located at the heart of the harbor. So when you sit in your room, you actually see the big the big cargo ships actually practice their parking <laughs> um, and it's where the, the terminal for the cruise ships is also located so mm -hmm. you see the icebergs uh, which is not such a good thing if you ask me but anyway <laughs> uh, when they're floating down south you it's not a, not a good thing but anyway um, the location is amazing in the heart of the harbor 
so that's St. John's. Um, and then we have Halifax, mm -hmm. located at the airport. So very convenient for guests that are actually taking an early flight mm -hmm. or not able to get out because there's a snowstorm. Mm -hmm. We have uh, Montreal, I told you about, Quebec City, um, our hometown. We're in Toronto uh, with three properties mm -hmm. in the Mississauga and downtown Toronto. We have Ottawa. Uh, we'll have three properties with the one at the airport uh, starting construction soon, but currently two uh, open hotels in Ottawa, Excellent. Alt and Le Germain. A uh, few seconds left to uh, anything you want to add? Thank you for taking the time to chat with me. Thank you for uh, taking the time to chat with me. I'm Marie-Pierre uh, Germain, Director of Operations for the Montreal Region for Group Germain Hotels. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, the extreme cold in the eastern part of Canada and the U.S. recently has caused some problems in the travel industry, but it's been a blessing in disguise for some places, like Niagara Falls, for example. There's some pretty spectacular images of the ice that has formed around the falls. So joining us now is Noel Buckley from Niagara Falls Tourism to tell us a little bit more about the area and the ice that's covering Niagara Falls. Hi, Noel. Hello, how are you today? I'm well, thank you. Uh, you know, we've had it pretty uh, mild out west so far this winter, but we've heard the stories of how cold it's been in eastern Canada and the eastern parts of the United States. But silver lining on everything with the extreme cold comes some pretty spectacular images of uh, Niagara Falls and the ice, ice and such. I mean, the miniature glaciers, the frozen mist, the winter wonderland, the way it looks around the waterfall right now is really quite spectacular. It, yeah, indeed. So now tell me the story about, um, you know, the ice. Uh, I understand it's not really the falls that freezes. It's the ice or creates a, an ice bridge, something like that. Well, what really happens is that there, there's kind of two separate things. Uh, the the extreme cold temperatures and the mist that freezes almost instantly creates an illusion that uh, that uh, the falls themselves have stopped flowing. But in reality, the water behind that illusion flows nonstop and really doesn't freeze. So you have an illusion that the water uh, that the falls are frozen, but it's really not. And uh, but what does freeze and what can create and and by the way. That, that's really why you want to see the, the, the falls at all times of season. Mm -hmm. The way it looks in the winter is the way it's not the way it looks in the summer. It's not the same way it looks in the fall with the foliage on the escarpment or in the springtime as the, as the boats are put back in the river. So I, I, that's my pitch. I'm not going to hard sell, but that's my <laughs> pitch on why you really do want to see the falls at all times of the season and all times of the year. But as I was saying, the illusion that they freeze is really just that. It is an illusion. But what really can freeze is uh, the ice coming over the falls and the mist and the wind can create these huge glaciers in the gorge at the bottom of the falls mm -hmm. and create really a natural ice bridge that sort of bridges the river from the Canadian side to the American side out of uh, a natural ice bridge. And, and that's really spectacular to see, too. Mm -hmm. Well, but if it's really this cold, how many activities and how many things can people do uh, out in the cold that, uh, say, if it was a little bit milder, they could do? 
Well, I mean, obviously, there's still all of the attractions around the falls. You can you can uh, enjoy the falls. You can go on the journey behind the falls. You can still get to uh, fly in a helicopter over the falls. You can still go up the Skyline Tower and look down upon the falls. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of ways to view the falls at this time of year. And, in fact, uh, right up until the end of January, there's the uh, the spectacular Winter Festival of Lights where uh, where there's millions of lights along the Niagara Parkway. Uh, and then, of course, there's all of the uh, all of the uh, man-made attractions around the falls, uh, not the least of which would include casino gaming, family attractions, etc. So there's an awful lot going on at this time of year. Uh, we don't stop, and uh, the water never stops. Pretty amazing, though. Uh, I think even in the cold and with all that ice around, uh, is there is there areas where you kind of you know are off limits to people? Well, uh, there are times where it can get uh, certainly uh, 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 slippy and dangerous, and uh, and uh, there are limits that would be off. Uh, there are obviously uh, areas that would be off limits. You wouldn't go down in the gorge at this time of year, but <laughs> I mean that's not normally accessible, anyways, uh-huh. regardless. So. All of the main viewing areas around and close to the falls are still open and still accessible and uh, and well maintained to make sure that people traveling from uh, not only all across Canada, as I know some of your listeners do, but from all across the world still mm. have the ability to view the falls. So what's the difference between the U.S. side and the Canadian side, other than the obvious, that uh, one's in Canada, one's in the United States, as far as viewing and that sort of thing? The the Horseshoe Falls are largely contained, 90% contained on the Canadian side. That's the large panoramic view that most people are familiar with, the large horseshoe. The American Falls are more of a bridal veil type fall. Type fall. So uh, the American and 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 with all modesty, the best views are from the Canadian side because you get a dead-on view of the American Bridal Falls and you literally are on the lip of the horseshoe. So it really is spectacular viewing. And uh, and the other big difference is about 93% of all the water in the river flows over the Horseshoe Falls and about 7% flows over what's called the American Falls. So uh, the, the the real sound and the real gush of water is over the horseshoe and the uh, the and by the way it is spectacular the beautiful images over the like uh, the, the the American Falls are also quite lovely but that's the the American Falls are wholly contained on the American side and the horseshoe falls are basically on the Canadian side. Uh, how far are you from major uh, airports like Toronto or and getting access to to Niagara Falls? I'm assuming you fly in and then uh, maybe rent a car or something like that. Well, yeah, there's a number of ways you would come down. There's great ground transportation from Toronto to Niagara. Uh, in fact, if you land in Toronto, uh, not only is there great ground transportation to downtown uh, Toronto, Toronto now has daily go service, which refers to Government of Ontario service, which uh, goes daily in and out of Niagara Falls right now, and uh, in the summer has a more enhanced schedule. That aside, there's obviously the option of renting a car. There's the option of getting on a a bus tour. There's the option of uh, getting private car or, as I say, taking the train. Uh, And that's from the Toronto airport, which is about an hour and 20 minutes or so or an hour and a half from Niagara Falls. 
Niagara Falls is about 40 minutes from the Buffalo-Niagara International Airport. So for our American friends that may or may not be listening, uh, flying into Buffalo is a, uh, is a very, very short commute to the, to the waterfall. Mm-hmm. And how much interaction on the, on the border side? Is it, uh, can you cross one side to, of Niagara Falls to see uh, the American side easily? Uh, how easy access is that? Yeah, the access is incredibly easy. In fact, on the Niagara Peninsula of Canada, there are four bridges that connect Niagara Falls, Canada, with uh, the Niagara region of the western New York. So there's the Peace Bridge. It connects Fort Erie, Niagara, with Buffalo, New York. There is the Rainbow Bridge, uh, which is directly right at the waterfall, connecting Niagara Falls, New York, with Niagara Falls, Canada. There's the Whirlpool Bridge for Nexus users, which connects downtown Niagara Falls with Niagara Falls, USA. And there's the Queenston-Lewiston Bridge that connects Niagara Falls slash Niagara-on-the-Lake with Lewiston. So uh, the easiest way, if you're right in the falls, to go back and forth is you can walk across the Rainbow, Rainbow Bridge. So you can literally uh, leave Canada, cross the bridge, go over to uh, go over to the U.S. side, walk through customs, go through those formalities, and walk back. And it's a very easy thing to do. Nice. How long do uh, people usually stay when they visit Niagara Falls? Uh, I imagine a lot of maybe people in the Ontario area maybe do a day trip or overnight, but if you're going there uh, for three or four days, can you cover everything? Uh, That's a great question. I mean, the Niagara Falls also is part of the spectacular Niagara region, so not only do we have the blessing of the falls and all of the attractions around it, we are the largest wine-producing region in Canada and the largest wine-producing region on the eastern seaboard of North America. So we have about 150 wineries here. Uh, which is uh, a big part of our attraction. I think it's about 65% of the Canadian crop or 60% of the Canadian crop vineyards are are in Niagara. Uh, Niagara on the lake is often referred to as the prettiest town in Canada. It's beautiful. It's quite spectacular. Uh, It is a bit of a winter wonderland, and that's always a a very strong uh, visitor attraction. You get into the Niagara bench area out along the Jordan Valley and through St. Catharines, and then, uh, and then, obviously, if you're interested in beaches, uh, some of the better beaches in all of Canada are on uh, Lake Erie, down by Fort Erie and Port Colborne, so on the shores of Lake Erie. So, um, yeah, three to four days would not be too long to spend here. You would not run out of things to do. And, uh, and as you had suggested, just like many other cities or destinations that are close to large population centers, there is a significant day trip opportunity here as well. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, no matter what time of year, as you mentioned, uh, winter, spring, summer, or fall, it's uh, always something to see and do in Niagara Falls, I would assume, correct? That is correct. And uh, we never close. We're open 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And uh, with 16,000 hotel rooms, a plethora of restaurants and uh, literally hundreds of attractions, there is absolutely no shortage of things to do here. And they can find it all on your website, NiagaraFallsTourism.com. And Noel Buckley is the president of Niagara Falls Tourism. Pleasure chatting, Noel. Appreciate it. Pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for calling. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. I want to thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, take a minute, rate the show, leave us a review, and tell a friend about the podcast. And if you want to drop me a line, my email address is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler, or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.